out there and welcome to another episode of Rich Cheese Radio, your home for the horological hot takes, the taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. I'm your host, Brodinky. With me, as always, is my buddy Schmidt. Schmitty, bud, how has this week been for you? Or abbreviated week, I should say, since we were getting <laughs> in a second episode in the last four days. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been an abbreviated week, but certainly uh, glad to be here. Uh, weekend was good, short-lived, but uh, getting ready for another week of travel should be fun. Uh, not really, but uh, it'll be nice uh, to be recording an episode before I hit the road again. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, how about yourself? You know, I, I really had myself quite a weekend for the first time in a long time. Um, since our last episode, I, I got... Lucky enough, a buddy of mine has a season ticket package at City Field, so he hooked me up with some free Mets tickets because he couldn't make it. So me and the wife went. Very nice. It was, Very uh, nice. yeah, and he, you know, yeah, he has some pretty sweet seats. It's got like some club accesses and stuff like that. So you know, we kind of bounced around a little bit, but it was, you know, fun game. They went down five nothing early. They battled back. There was a grand slam. It went into extras. They won it on walk off. So like. You know, really fun all around, and and you know you, the the funny part about being a, a Mets fan, and I I know I have a a few people in the the New York Red Bar that are, and they they kind of commiserate in the same way uh, as we do with watches, sort of in that people accept their their nerddom of being a Mets fan because they they've accepted like the lovable loser mentality for so long mm, that like I yes, can't stand yes, it yes. anymore like it. It's like it like suffocates me to be around these people. Like I had a dude behind me who was complaining the whole time about how he paid Francisco Lindor all this money and all he does is play defense. But 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 I not only did they come back and win, he got the walk off hit. I I literally like my wife has a video of me just like f that guy, (laughs) (laughs) like just pointing at him. Like I I was like I was several alcoholic beverages deep but like yeah no yeah, better sure. feeling as, just like, as one is at the ballpark yeah right? but like dude i gotta listen to that all game my ear and then like lindor hits hits a walk-off single i'm like thank god dude eat it like ugh. but yeah. like it's similar to like the the like the nerddoms that people fall into in in this hobby where they've like accepted that like oh i'm i'm this person and this is like who i am you know oh i'm a fanboy of this or i i whatever i i wear this this way and like i can't be the other way because this is who i am now like those type of things they, they bother me no matter what it's in so like you know they it crosses over like my my trolliness i should probably just start a sports meme page as well and go after <laughs> those people but i i just don't have the the energy for that currently yeah, yeah the emotional the emotional capacity to deal with that as well. yeah yeah um and then Saturday, dude, I uh, a, th- a throwback my wife got tickets to uh see blink 182 when you told me that in the group chat, I was so jealous. Yeah, dude. Uh, oh, my God. So we went to UBS. I've never been to UBS, UBS Arena yet. It's pretty new here in New York, and it kind of it kind of had its, you know, uh, origin during the pandemic. So it was kind of like hit and miss going places. <laughs> yeah. But, sure. uh, yeah, really nice arena. Uh, it was probably – I've seen them a bunch of times. It was probably their best show I've seen. They really – Really? They crushed this it. Is kinda they, like, this is kind of like the farewell tour too, right? I want to say yes. I mean, dude, Mark just had cancer. He had stage yeah. four. I think it was lymphoma or something, but – Yeah, yeah. He, he he beat it, dude. He was in great spirits. Like they they hit a lot of like the 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 same uh, like marks in their songs where like they ad-lib and stuff from like – if you ever listen to like their live album, Mark, Tom, and Travis show and stuff like that, like they – 
it was just very fun and like very upbeat. They played a lot of old stuff. Um, not old, old stuff. Cause like me, me and this dude on the train, we're having like a very nerdy bro moment. Cause like my, my wife was like, Oh, you know what, what songs do you want to hear? I'm like, well, I want to hear songs that are very old, you know, and, and do you want to hear like, like carousel yeah, dude. Yes. That's exactly what I said. Exactly what I said. So carousel M&Ms, you know, all those good ones. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So me and this dude had a bro moment over it because he he started playing it on the train. I was like, yes. And he's like, yeah, dude, these people don't know. These, it was it was funny. Again, many yeah. alcoholic beverages. Yeah. Well, but- I feel like I feel like most people tuned in to Enema of the State. Like, I feel like that's kind of like the that one in in, in and the um, self-titled date. A lot of people got on. Yes. Like, yes. The, and then, the later generation people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, I was here. I was here for for Carousel, M&M's um dude ranch cheshire cat dude ranch yeah, yeah. Ches- <laughs> yes exactly exactly all those were fantastic fantastic albums um oh, man yeah dude i mean yeah. i got i got i got the old in my backdrop here i got the old mark hoppus bass behind me dude that was my you know in, in my my high school band days not 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 school band like rock band like wannabe yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was us so um yeah I've been, I've been a big fan of this forever it was just it was just a really good time and uh i was travis dude he was he's always great he's always got to do something where he's flipping upside down getting hoisted up somewhere you know like yeah exactly it was such a good time but yeah they really played so many good ones um and i also i i nailed i uh, my college roommate actually happened to be there with his wife we met up with them before like complete you know random chance he's you know they dm'd us oh you're here too okay so we met up like what's the first song and out of nowhere i just pulled out like anthem part two nailed it anthem part two opens the show my wife's like you looked it up you looked i was like no i i didn't i just nailed it crushed it that's awesome that is such a fantastic song it is it's a good opener it's got like a nice build up you know that was kind of what came to mind it would have been cool though had they started with anthem and then started anthem part two that would have been really cool Well, that was the funny part my wife's like is there an anthem part one i'm like yes there's an anthem part one oh gosh these youngins man they just don't know no i know know. yeah so you know again part of a part of being a nerd you know you kind of during the days of Napster, bro, the Na- the Napster, Morpheus, Kaza, uh, uh, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that, so those were a little bit before my time. I was kind of on the torrent, end. BitTorrent downloads. Uh, so I was in between. I was on the LimeWire, FrostWire generation. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was LimeWire, FrostWire, and I think there was a, like a Bear Share or something like that at one point. Um, these were all the like download sites prior to Torrent. So that's when that's when everything lost me. Like I had no idea how to do zip files and the torrents, yeah, and I was yeah, like, it was "Nah." A whole awakening, I remember. Yeah, yeah. I was just like that and trying to get free games, free yeah, like yeah. Steam games. <laughs> yeah, or or like you know, like whole videos, like movies. People were like torrenting like full movies and stuff, and and that's when I was just like, "Nah," like this is starting to get a little extra illegal. <laughs> so I was like, "I'm I'm good. I'm good." But uh, yeah, that was college. I mean, Frostwire, LimeWire, BearShare. Um, that was high school and college for sure. So, but yeah, hell, really hell of a weekend. The only thing that was like the damper sort of was that. I mean, obviously, I got home late as hell. You know, yeah. one in the morning. And I, you know, I've got some staffing situations going on at work. So, guess who got to go in super early at six a.m. today? So, ponied up. You know, uh, got the coffee pot on early and just. 
went about my day, managed to get it yeah. all done somehow. You know, you, as I say, you piece it together, popsicle sticks, tape, glue, and just make it work. Yeah, whatever you got to do to MacGyver the situation. Right. right, exactly, bro, exactly. So, you know, quite a weekend, though. It's been a long time. I, I was very fortunate to have babysitting the whole weekend. I mean, I think, I think that's probably the biggest uh, X factor most times, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you and the wife can get away for just a for even just a day to go do something, let alone, you know, a couple days and, and you have somebody to watch your kids that you trust, um, that is that is huge. So, it's huge. Yeah. So that was that was my weekend. Quite eventful. Finally, like I've been it's been so many weekends where I'm just like, eh, uneventful. It was OK. You know, eh. Finally had like a weekend, but yeah, yeah, very cool. It sounds like it was cool, man. Back to go to see a baseball now. game, yep. especially with an exciting ending, and then to go see a really, really great brand, uh, like Blink One Eighty Two. I that sounds amazing. Yeah, so good times. Um, yeah, I was so jealous when you said that in the group chat. I was like, oh gosh. Yeah, it, let me tell you, it, it please torrential, play all of my favorite songs. Torrential downpour the whole way getting there, but worth it. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yes. Just to hear first date or roller coaster or any of those things, please take me home. Those those songs were anthems in in and of themselves, right? Like those were fantastic songs. Yeah, so very cool. Um, we can uh we can bring it circle it back here to watches now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wait, we're not going to be talking about music all day, dude. I could I could probably do an entire sixty minute on 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 Blink start to finish if you really wanted to. But <laughs> I mean, I'd be down. I don't know if our listeners would be down, but I would be down. Yeah. So maybe maybe for a different time. Maybe we could do a shared episode with somebody. I wonder if maybe maybe Tom DeLong's a watch guy or something. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if you guys actually are listening to this and you would love for us to do that, please let us know. We yeah, will right. do it. I don't care. I'll do, do it. Do it as a I'll bonus episode or something. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Put it on the Patreon. We don't have. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, a couple new drops. Again, uh, we were talking about this before. There's not too much new stuff, given that we just did an episode. Yeah. But there's a few things, uh, one of which is. It's pretty interesting. It's uh, something slightly different. So it's the Doxa Clive Cussler. Yes. Sub 300T. Um, Clive Cussler. I I, don't, I didn't know who that was. I had to look it up. Uh, I yeah. can't lie. Kind of sounds like a porn star. <laughs> I mean, it does. It does. For sure. I was expecting mustaches, and, you know, Ron Jeremy. But uh, no, uh, apparently he's a novelist who also likes to do archaeology, and he was—I uh, believe—he has some military ties as well. And yeah. um, he wound up getting a Doxa 300T orange as a gift, and I guess it just it made such a lasting impression on him, and he he has such a relationship with it that he also wrote it onto his main character in his novels. Yes. So many times he references it almost like how Fleming will reference the Explorer or whatever it was, you know, the role. Yeah, exactly. I know exactly. He, Fleming had the Explorer, but he always references the Rolex that Bond had. So um, I think it's a similar situation. And I think it's just it's kind of a, like a random connection he had with this watch and it sort of blossomed from there. But uh, it's a neat addition. It's got like a, a very vintage look. They use the aged steel look on the on the the case and the bracelet um there's a 
like a vintage looking compass on the dial. And, mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. There, there's some neat little Easter eggs. I guess his birthday is 71531. Um, so they put those in red on the date wheel. Okay. Yeah, I knew they had put some red on the date, but I didn't know exactly which numbers that, yeah, that they birth, were talking about. Yeah, birthday. that makes sense. It's a good birthday. It's it's a few days early, but yeah, mine, <laughs> mine's right. Actually, you know what's have funny? You, have you have you ever read a Dirk Bitt novel? I have not. Yeah, they're really good. They're really, really good. So it's a whole thing. Like it's a whole literary work. Right? So, so it's like so, your um what's his name? Uh Who's Tom Clancy's guy? Jack Ryan? Uh, Jack Reacher, yeah. Uh, th- I don't know which guy it is, but anyway, so. I think it's Jack Reacher. Who's Jack Ryan? I'm sorry. You're right. There's a Jack Reacher and there's also a Jack Ryan. Right, okay. Talking I know, about, yeah, right. I know it, Jack Ryan. Okay. Yeah, it's Jack Ryan. So anyway, exactly. It's just basically there's a whole literary work on this fictional character. And basically Clive Cussler, you know, he grows up. I think as you pointed out correctly, he's got a military background, but this guy was actually like a real life treasure hunter. Yeah, he cool. and his they would do these family vacations. They would go diving for shipwrecks or you know gold medallions or whatever it would be. And basically, living this life of adventure, he decided to create uh, and be a novelist and create the character Dirk Pitt, uh, who also did these things in this particular you know book series. Um, I read a few of the books um, many, 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 many years ago. It's probably long enough now that I need to reread them. Uh, but I read them back in college for for certain things, and uh, fantastic books. I mean, very descriptive, very well written, um, very adventurous novels, which is fantastic. But you do get the reference of the Doxa, specifically the orange version, uh, which is actually the same type of watch that that Kessler himself uh, personally owned. Um, did you ever see the movie Sahara with uh with Matthew, Matthew McConaughey? McConaughey? Yeah, yeah. That book is based off of a Dirk Pitt novel. Okay. Because in the film Sahara, he wears an orange doxa. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of loosely based off of that type of novel character, that type of situation, uh, which is very cool. But uh, it wasn't really like a Clive Cussler type branded film. But, you know, kind of treasure hunting. And that's where the whole thing comes across. Like they find this ironclad ship in the middle of the Saharan desert where it shouldn't be. But. It is because of different things that play out in the movie. You know, it's a whole big thing. But long story short, this is a watch designed for an adventurer to live an adventurer's lifestyle. And I think, you know, this is a cool watch. I like it a lot. I'm a huge Doxa fan. You guys know that, uh, especially the Sub 300T, um, which is a fantastic case diameter, fantastic size. Um, I think this is a very, very cool watch especially that it is different. And uh, I think given the kind of colorway of this watch, it's very different that you know than what I think about when I think of Doxa. Um, but I think it makes sense. You know, oddly enough, I feel like had they just done orange, that would have been too lazy. Yeah, too on the that's, nose. Yeah, I, I just, I feel like that's too simple. But I feel like this watch almost feels like the orange could have faded out a little bit. And maybe they should have leaned in more to that type of tone. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I just, I I picture like an old scroll map or, you know, some type of 
like uh like ledger or roll that you know this guy would roll out on the table as he's getting ready to survey his next diving expedition or something like that like that's what it feels it feels like a treasure map to me right and i think that there's something very heartwarming about that idea and this look and the aesthetic and i don't know for me the doxa watch has always been a no-nonsense tool timepiece just unabashedly this is the tool it's the most fluorescent orange you could ever get on a watch um and yet it makes sense and i think you know having this type of watch it in that same vein it it, it very much plays to that character if you will if you can consider the watch a character so i like the watch a lot and i like the fact that they aged it it just feels natural i think a lot of times when we get these brand spanking new shiny toys out of the box that we're like oh yeah it's a tool watch and then you're like i really don't want to use it like a tool because it's still kind of expensive and I don't want to dent it, right? And we all get that first thing, like, oh, the first dent is, like, the one that kind of, like, rips the Band-Aid off. Yeah, but it always does. it's already all done, you know? Like, even if you dented or scratched this watch, are you really going to notice? Why not live an adventure with it? I think that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, definitely cool offering. Cooler than, like, you know, a lot of these times they can get very, uh, like, cringy. These kind of yeah things yeah but I, or I don't comical think like it's not supposed to be comical but it's also like it's over the top ee, yeah <laughs> it's so cheesy I don't want to I don't want to like look at it you know I didn't get that vibe from this I I feel like it's tasteful it's it's it, it's representative of a very impressive person and, and impressive man um and I think you know quintessentially this is an adventurous watch and this is what an adventurous watch would look like after decades of adventuring. So go out and buy it. I think it's cool. Yep. Uh, next up, we're getting three new Seiko Pad Eye models. Um, they are part of an effort to support ocean conservation. So, so part or however much of the sale goes to that. Uh, you have a sumo, a samurai, and a turtle. In that order, you have SPB 370. Sorry, SPB 373 or 5. I can't read my handwriting. <laughs> SRPJ93 is the Samurai and SRPK01 is the Turtle. Uh, they are an interesting shade of blue. You get a, a, a few different hues in there. You have a almost an underwater looking up at the waves type of yep. feel on yep. them. Like it's it's not too corny like the Stingrays or, or, or things like that. Like this no, one feels yeah, this a little is more very tasteful. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you get it's got a bunch of different nice shades of blue on it. Uh, I like them, although. You did point out they're they're not really doing the red on these, which is interesting. Yeah, so I think I don't know, maybe that's just in an effort to differentiate them from previous patty models. There are a lot. There are a lot. There's been years and years of patty models. I mean, I I have multiple of them, um, as we were kind of mentioning before in the group chat over the weekend. But um, you know, patty professional association of diving instructors, <clears throat> worldwide organization, been around since the '60s. Uh, this is a very cool watch that that kind of pays tribute to that diving legacy. I love the colorway here. Um, I think you were right. I mean, this is basically like I'm just below the surface. There's still sunlight beaming at the top of the waves, and I can see the waves kind of flowing above me. But as I look just below, it started to hit more of that dark blue abyss color. And I get that sense here in the dial, which I mean, essentially is exactly what you experience as you go diving uh, deeper and deeper into the ocean. So I think for any diver or anybody that, that has been trained as a scuba diver, 
this is a very cool aesthetic and motif. It's something that that we look for and long for. And I think from kind of a romantic aspect, you know, this is a type of watch that calls you to the ocean. And when I look at it, that's the first thing I think about is when when's the next time I can get in the water. Um, so it's a cool watch for a cool purpose. I mean, as you mentioned, conservation. But three models. I think the Sumo is in titanium. Is it? Um, that's nice. I I think so. I I don't quote me on this, but when I'm looking at the photos, it looks like it's a darker gunmetal color, and the price point is much higher. Oh yeah, the, that would make sense. The price point is eleven hundred euro, comparatively to five fifty for the Samurai and five seventy for the Turtle. So we're talking double the price point. Um, that would lead me to believe that it's probably a different material or superior movement. It's one of the two. Um, but regardless, very cool watches. I like the dark blue with kind of this like cyan blue, this like electric-y blue, which is very, very nice. And uh, I think they're cool watches. If you're looking for a patty piece, go get one. Yeah, no arguments here. <laughs> uh, last up on our new stuff. So Zenith has tweaked the Defy Skyline. However, this time it is blacked out. So sticking with the black watch craze a little bit. However, you did mention it is in ceramic. Yeah, yeah. I believe it's in ceramic now with ceramic bracelets, what I saw over the weekend. Wow. So that's going to be neat. It- not it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm always leery of full ceramic watches, especially with the ceramic bracelet, because I know how finicky those really can be. Um, yeah, limit, limit your functionality as a knuckle duster. It it, it does. Um, <laughs> it certainly does. But I don't know, man. Um, it's an interesting. It's an interesting design. We've talked about this before. I think it's certainly a welcomed addition for Zenith. People like this collection. They liked the previous one that was discontinued. Um, but you know, ceramic is is an extremely difficult material to to work with, um, and it's an extremely difficult material to to have reliably secure on the wrist. If we're talking about bracelets, and the only reason why I say that is because bracelets have so many different articulation points. So many different components have to be placed within a, within side of a link to yeah. make these bracelets actually function. So there's less ceramic there surrounding these metal cores. There's less material that's actually, you know, holding up to structural rigidity. So the easiest knock, the easiest crack, the easiest bump into something can really cause for, for a catastrophic bracelet failure. Um, I know, you know, not that he listens to this channel, but one of the gentlemen that's very famous in the industry, Eric Koo, um, huge collector of all different brands and everything. I mean, he had a ceramic AP bracelet malfunction. So um, I think one of his watches took a spill for whatever reason, and the entire bracelet just like exploded. I don't know what it costs to fix a ceramic AP bracelet, I but I cannot imagine it's cheap. Yeah, and that's something I always think about. I because when I wear my watches again, I don't. I don't really try to. I don't wear them for things that I know are kind of dumb to wear them for. But like yeah. you know, you have kids, right? You got to pick them up. You get in kind of awkward 
situation. Yeah, your wrist is like con- yeah, contoured exactly. and like, you know. You don't realize the amount of individual stress. points of stress yep. that, that get put on these things. And that's where somebody like our buddy Stuntman Tom, he puts that stuff to the test because he's literally doing barrel rolls and crap downstairs. You know what I mean? Like that. that's why he's pop spring bars and he's broken bracelets or, you know, yeah. had, had a, a uh watch fly off a NATO even, you know, he, you don't realize the, the amount of, uh, you know, specific points of stress because overall, yeah, they're really sturdy and, and the technology is great, but when you're putting all the force on individual small pieces, that's where yeah. you get these, these failures, you know, like yeah. when we talk about the, um, the Cartier, uh, quick change where you just grip the sides, yeah. like, same thing again wonderful technology very novel very useful but i don't know how that stands up over time if you have somewhat of an active ish lifestyle you know yeah i mean and so many so many people that i know from the industry have told me and i think i've shared this before i mean that quick chain system works amazing on day one but after about six months of continuous use and sweat and grind builds yeah, up when it's that, got the cheese in stuck in there yeah then it doesn't want to open it's like well, then the entire highlight of why I bought this watch just kind of goes out the window. So um, I think overall it's a beautiful watch. I like that Zenith was able to 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 keep a lot of their design aesthetic uh, with the different types of polished surfaces and everything on this bracelet and case. I'll be the first one to say that that's exceedingly difficult. Um, to do alternate finishing in, in ceramic is very expensive and very difficult to do so when you look at something like an ap bracelet you look at something like an omega case you look at something like this this new zenith um that level of work is not easy to replicate um and there's a reason why only a few brands can do it because it is so labor intensive it is so difficult to to perform um so cool watch uh, again, my own, my my biggest concern is always what is it going to be like when it's on a physical full bracelet? Um, how is that going to hold up over time? And is this going to be something that that really is as durable as say some of the other versions in steel? Um, I certainly would argue the case would be, but I don't know about the full bracelet. Yeah, hard to say for sure, but I think it's neat. I think it looks really good. You know, oh, I'm totally! Not, it it's killer. It looks I'm, awesome. I'm I don't know if I'm the hugest Skylight Defy fan, but I think yeah. in this rendition it looks very very good. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think if I'm gonna go Zenith, I'm gonna go El Primero. I think something Chrono, and technically these are El Primero movements because they are high beat movements. But I want to go OG Chrono style. Yeah, if I'm gonna course, go anything, of course, literally El Primero. <laughs> the first <laughs> all right uh our topic today is a little bit all over the place uh it it kind of stems from it actually probably stems back to the episode we did with uh luke and lorenzo when we had them on to talk bond subs and such um you know i know we talked about sort of our uh predicting like what could replace the bond watch and stuff like that. But our, uh, our friends over at the spirit of time, given that they are both a spirits and watch podcast, they, they've been kicking around in our group chat lately that, um, 
what if they were to replace not the watch, but I mean, Bond is known, right? Shaken, not stirred, et cetera. It's the Vespa Martini. Okay. So what, what, if that didn't exist and you, and you couldn't necessarily just go Martini, even if it was gin, what would you put in Bond's hand, I guess? And so I, I, I don't really know. I'm not necessarily <laughs> as I'm big not, of a, uh, yeah. A, yeah. a connoisseur in those realms as those guys or, or our buddies at Whiskey and Watches are. Um, I have an idea, but that's sort of where this episode stems from. And then from there, I think you and I would like to talk a little bit about something similar. So we'll start there and we'll, we'll see where we get to and we'll bring it back to watches. But um, <laughs> I'll give you my idea. And okay, this comes from personal experience from my travels in Europe. Um, a drink that I've been very familiar with, but in much, let's say, much less fancy terms here in the States is the gin and tonic. In Europe, the gin and tonic is a way of life. Oh, like yeah. Many places after dinner, that is your go to. It's a little digestif action, you know, settles the stomach. It's got things like, you know, quinine and all that stuff in it. It makes it, you know, it's got florals and botanicals and whatever else. But they they don't just do gin and tonic, man. They get they give you the the juniper berries. Yeah. They give yeah. you the the desiccated orange slices. Like you you get hit with herbs like these aromatics pop you in the face. You get it in this giant goblet. Like I was in Spain and I was having one of these. I was like, this is sensational. And I was like, and I'm not yeah. just saying that because I've had 15 wines today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just saying that because I've had a rolling buzz since 5 a.m. Yeah, and I've just been eating cured meat and foie gras. But um, no, nah, it was. It, I just remember I was like, wow, this is a cocktail, man. This is something else. And it, you and know, and everywhere we went, that was what was. It had its own menu, the gin and tonics. And I was like, this is really a thing here. I mean, yeah. gin and yeah. tonic is a thing here, but it's not at all like that no it's it's very it's very simplistic in it's in it's pouring it's like here's gin and then here's tonic right maybe we'll put a lime or two in it right um gin and tonics actually are one of my favorite drinks especially during the summer when you need something that's cool and refreshing refreshing, and light and you know i think this it's kind of funny when we talk about spy drinks i also think that this is kind of it lends itself well to being also like a spy drink. Cause let's say you need to take it easy on the alcohol to keep your wits about you. It's clear. So you, it's clear. You, you right? can fake it. You can you fake can it. Hit it with club so. <laughs> I mean, not that Bond would ever do that, right? But I mean it's kind of funny if you think about it from that type of premise. It's like, all right, I'm gonna get some fizzy water, some club soda, and throw a couple limes in there. And and now I've told everyone that I have a gin and tonic. Right. So, I don't know. I I I think it's a great choice. I love the drink. Um, I think I, I think kinda, gin is sophisticated enough one. to keep it bondy. Yes. Without, well, I mean, I think so too. Without right? coming off immature, you could still pull that off wearing a suit, you know. So, like that, that was kind of where I would go with that. Again, I'm no, I'm no expert, but you know, I know there are plenty of uh, varieties of gin from all over the world. So, no matter yeah. where you are, you could always get something cool that's local and. You know, so I, I thought that was a, a, a good jumping off point at least. And uh, you know, they can they can 
give us a critique on that one themselves. But <laughs> I just I wanted to contribute. You know, if, if, we, if we're gonna if we're gonna. Well, have... yeah, they asked us. They asked us to throw something together, right. so we're gonna throw something together. Um, I you know I also went with a with a gin drink as well. Oh, nice. Um, I think I think Bond is kind of that type of person that 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 is his drink. I mean, even when you think about the recipe for for the the Vesper, um, there's more gin in it than there is vodka. Yep. Um, which is which is certainly something important because you know the Vesper Martini, if you've never had one, it's an extremely boozy drink. Um, it's certainly not for the faint of heart, and so just kind of from that understanding, um, my drink of choice is the negroni okay um i love this drink personally i do drink it quite often um it is one of my favorite drinks to order and i think when you think about bond's character in many ways he's aloof he orders classic things and he's kind of a creature of habit but he orders the things that are not commonplace and i think that uh that the negroni is certainly one of those drinks that kind of lives up to that 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 style it's a sophisticated drink it's not something that most people are going to want to order, even if they do order. Most people don't like the way it tastes. It's certainly a very acquired uh, drink. Yeah, that, taste. that bitterness is very sophisticated. Yeah, when the 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 Campari hits or or the the gin that you're using, depending on how you're making it, you know, a lot of these these things are not what people feel accustomed to drinking or want to drink. Um, I'll never forget. I was at a I was at an event for work. Uh, and and they had an order of Negronis, and a bunch of women were coming up and ordering them, not knowing what they were. They just saw, you know, red drink, it was on the orange menu or peel, yeah. and they assumed it was this fruity, effervescent, light drink. And they probably took like a the sip. the Aperol spritz is very hot now, so maybe it, they thought it was exactly close something enough. like that, yeah. something like that, right? And they took a sip, and they're like, "What is wrong with this drink? The beer has gone bad." Yeah, exactly. It was just kind of like one of those moments. It's like, guys, like that's what it's supposed to taste like. And they're like, "You drink this?" And I was like, "Yeah, I drink it quite often, actually." And they're like, "This tastes like gasoline and sadness." And I'm like, "Well, it's certainly an acquired taste." (laughs) I don't, I don't exactly know what to tell you, but it's certainly an acquired taste. But I, I think if if anything, uh, if we had to change the the drink for Bond, uh, I think uh, certainly a Negroni would be would be a good thing. The only the only downside is the color for me, because mm. when you think about the Vesper, even if he spills it on himself, which Bond would never do anyway, but even if he had to spill it on himself, he'll never wear it. He'll never notice it was there, right? You spill a Negroni with all that Campari. It, you're gonna look like you got shot in the chest. Yeah. Right. But I hope our boys uh, appreciate our little feedbacks there. A little aloof inside cocktail mix. A little something different for us. But uh, that's kind of where I'd go. I don't know. They can give us their feedback. So. Yeah, and then that kind of got me thinking, and we we touched on this a little bit um, with Luke and Lorenzo, but. I guess if you were to replace Bond's watch, now not a specific one, but everybody nowadays debates Rolex Omega, Rolex Omega. Everybody has their mm-hmm, own mm-hmm. take on this. What if you couldn't pick either? Now it gets interesting. Right? And I know he's worn other stuff in the past. Heck, he's he's had a, they, they had a Seiko in one movie. They had the Gruen. More than one movie. Right? They had the Gruen. Um, 
so there's been plenty of interesting choices outside of you know the sub or the seamaster that he's very well known for um i think there's some obvious choices i don't know if Braymont would be too on the nose i mean i i I think everyone's probably thinking that, right? <laughs> well, now here's the thing. Also, I I think it depends his setting, right? Because if 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 yeah. he's if he is not trying to represent himself, well, then I don't know if I want a tie to the UK like Bremont. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Because I also I, in thinking about the UK and stuff, I, I was like, oh, what about like CWC? Yeah. Right. That would make sense. Right. Those sweet ass uh, Royal Navy divers and stuff like totally. I mean, those are yeah, awesome. But that's that is but, straight up like everyone that's ever won a CWC is like, ah, that guy's a military. Dude. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know? He would have to be like <laughs> in that mode where like he's already outed and he's just going to kick some ass. Like, yeah. yeah OK. You, yeah. Wear, you know, maybe like the blacked out one and just bust heads. Um, But again, maybe two on the nose. Yeah, certainly. So, so what I was thinking was, right, because I was thinking about like movies like Casino Royale, where maybe he is trying to represent, represent himself as someone else, or maybe he's trying to throw somebody off the trail. So follow me here, right? In that event, something like a Richard Meal or a Hublot is perfect, right? <laughs> you're trying to make it. You're not. You're trying, to, you're trying to keep cover here. <laughs> What better way to try to represent yourself like that, right? There's, there's no better like a watch. Miami Playboy, right? That's like you, you're, you're dressing up like, like a, like a drug dealer. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I get that, but you don't think that that that's just too garish for Bond's character? Like, isn't he kind of like a low key guy? That even they, though they he make low key well, ones, it doesn't have to be a watermelon colored Richard Meal. You mean it's not an espresso Ublo? I mean. See, so have an espresso martini in in place of his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the thing, right? Um, I, I I can I mean I I can see it justifiably so, but I don't know if it makes sense. I just don't know. Well, I have the one that I think makes sense, save for less. But I'm just throwing things out there, that like, well, what if we're in a situation where we want to portray ourselves as a character i think a watch like that says plenty about you in a way that would throw them off your scent as being in i mean i can see that i can see that but i just think most of the time his character is more so focused on the low-key approach and that's why something like when you think about his modern watch collection right you think of something like the omega aquaterra the planet ocean the diver 300 meter they're nice enough pieces to be considered quality but not garish or showy enough that the average person couldn't have the same you know and that's what i think is so is so ubiquitous about about bond's character is he's everyone and no one at the same time he dresses well put together he dresses with fine linens and fine fabrics and these things different designers certainly true but he does so in a way that you would never know who he is he's able to to navigate and meander through the crowd 
And I think the watch in many respects would have to fit that same type of design, that same type of, uh, of aesthetic. But when I look at something like a Bremont, right? I mean, just, just spitballing here, we kind of touched on this and this is not my pick by the way, but if I had to pick on something like a Bremont, there's just, there's not a whole lot of watches in their collection that I think would fit this well without being too, as you pointed out, military. Right? Even if you think of like the Supermarine, right? So you're saying lack, lack sophistication. I, I just think so. I think it's missing that extra it factor. I do like the Supermarine. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous watch. There's no question about it. But I don't think the modern Supermarines, I mean, even the older Supermarines, there, there's there's a fine line between elegance and tool, right? And when I think of something like an Aquaterra, I feel like that watch is the perfect embodiment between the elegant watch that can also still be the tool watch, right? Planet Ocean, the same thing. My favorite was probably the Vintage 300 that he wore in Spectre. Like, it was shiny with ceramics and things like that but there was an elegance vintage aesthetic to it that made it feel sophisticated and when i think of many modern watch companies today i just don't feel like a lot of brands deliver on both fronts i feel like you know bremont is too much of the tool aesthetic and not enough of the refined aesthetic i'm curious if we landed on the same one for our final pick you think so? Same brand. I'm thinking we did. Okay. Well, just for fun, and I know it would never happen, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm picking Mr. Jones. No, <laughs> no I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But that would be hilarious, right? We're like, all right, guys, we're going with British watchmakers. I want to watch where Bond is just laying around in a tuxedo. I was going to say, I want Vesper. him in his tuxedo <laughs> in the inner tube. Floating the pool, With right? the martini. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And a gun. <laughs> yes. Yes, just nothing like a like a PPK, just like laying on his hip, just ready to go. That uh, Mr. Jones, make it happen. Get I know you listen. I know you listen. I know people that you know listen. Come on. Give us a little credit. Let's do it. Damn it. It doesn't have to be necessarily Bond. Nobody knows. Just a guy in a tuxedo happening to drink a martini with a PBK on his, on his lap. That's it. I think it would be cool. So I'm curious, bro. What well, else you, you got? Like you said, I mean, this is, again, I, I kind of milled through all of these, weighing them back and forth, and I tried to go for pretty much what you were outlining, right? So something stylish, something sophisticated. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it could be very commonplace enough because I, I just don't think this this brand is that exactly but did you pick christopher ward no no again that would go very well with the whole uk okay. tie yeah but uh no you know I, I was thinking about that i was thinking about the watches he currently wears and i landed on blanc punk really yeah huh 
I could totally see that. Well, actually. if I'm thinking sub, I'm thinking 300 meter. I could see 50 fathoms. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of where it went for me. And, you know, I, I think it, it hits on sort of the quality of the watches he wears. I think it's subtle enough, but also very nice. I think it fits his masculinity. Yeah. So for me, that seemed like a logical progression. Um, I was I was convinced you were going to take a blind pot too. No, I mean the only one that I was actually con- kind of considering would be like the CQ from like uh, from Glashuta. Geo, yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's kind of in that same price point when you start thinking about like their dive watches too, right? Comparatively to Blanc Pont, it's that like refined luxury element. It's in that same price bracket as like a sub, yeah, you know like what eleven I mean? G's. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's 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 expensive enough that you know it's quality, you know it's well built, you know it's something that is desirable, but it's not too flashy, where it feels like it's out of place. Right, because you you could you would you could uh, confuse that for an air rain. Exactly. Five or, feet or away. Just, you know what I mean. Or, or just the average person had no idea what it is. You know what I mean? Like when you when you look at you know, we recognize these things because we have an eye for them. But you imagine if you're sitting at a poker table, or you're sitting at a bar somewhere by yourself, and somebody sees you wearing that watch. Do you really think the average person would know what it is? Definitely not. No. And that's why actually both Blancpain and Geo, especially the CQ, that's really the only model that would make sense from them. But those two watches would actually make perfect sense because they are sophisticated enough. They do have a pedigree. They do have a unique history. And they're refined enough in some aspects to be that watch. Now, do you go OG 50 Fathoms? Or do you go something a little bit more contemporary like the Batiscaf? That's tough. That's a good question. Because I think me personally, I would go Bathy. I would go Batiscaf. I could see it. I could see it. I mean, you get you get a little more of a contemporary look. Sort of just fits the bill. But I've seen one. I mean, uh, one of our good buddies that, that we know online... Um, he's in Dallas. <laughs> he has this watch, and I saw the first one in person. I was blown away. I, I'd really never considered looking at this watch before. Um, but he was talking to me about it. A lot of the technology that goes in it. I mean, we're talking hundred hour power reserves. All these crazy things in this watch, and it's beautiful. The the movement's beautifully done, even if it's done in kind of a more industrial type finish. Um, but it's a really, really, really attractive watch. And I think the bathy makes the most sense because I could wear it in some cases on a bracelet. I could put it on a sailcloth if I needed to be, you know, a little bit more low key. If I need to be more tactical, I throw it on a NATO. You know what I mean? Like this is kind of like it transitions, but it's still refined enough to be beefy and burly and ready to kick ass. And I think that's what's that's what's cool. Yeah, well, that that's what uh, that's what the homie McDee always talks about when he he does business in some areas that might be a little less savory than others. Is that it's still pretty stealthy. He wears the Blanc yeah. Pond, 
you know, he doesn't have to necessarily worry about all the attention. Yeah, the the, I mean, day, the average they, person never seen a block pot. Yeah, they it, they don't know what the hell it is. Indecipherable from a generic diver from you know a Casio Duro. You know what I mean? Yeah, as far as they're concerned. Yeah, and, and it's not a it's not a it's not a completely household name, right? And that's I think the the interesting aspect of it. It's not a very household name. It's just very simple, very you know sparse and it does some cool things in some of their models but i think if you go with something like a bat the scaff it's very utilitarian a little bit militaristic but still very low-key um that i think would make enough sense to 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 do this because i think even when you look at like the the standard you know 50 fathoms the bezel and the dial are very like shiny and polished and yes. all those things i think it just screams a little bit too much I think the Bathyscaphe having its more mute, muted kind of sunray finished dial and, and kind of more matte brush ceramic bezel, I think it lends itself more to that kind of tool aesthetic. I think that sums it up pretty well. I like it. I don't know why I didn't think about that. Man. It felt like trip. it was in your wheelhouse. I swear. I was like, ah, we're gonna land on the same thing. It's I was, you know, I was really thinking about this, and I, I just the only thing I kept coming back to me was just the geo. But I almost didn't want to even say it because I was trying to think of like, okay, what if I had to pick a British brand? Right? Because historically that would have made sense. This would have been a British supplier to the military, yeah. right? Um but now, now it kind of seems silly that I focus so heavily on that. Yeah, well, again, I I just think it depends on his circumstances more than anything. Yeah, right. Like if it, if he if he's wearing it, you know, to HQ to walk around, doesn't matter what the hell he's wearing. You know what I mean? He can wear whatever. Yeah, he wants. exactly. So, but I just feel like for him, I mean, just in general. He's the kind of guy that's going to put on one watch and that's going to be the companion because it's just another extension of the kit. You know what I mean? Like, he could carry a different gun than a PPK, but he chooses to carry the PPK. The only thing he does is add the silencer to it. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of the most impractical pistols on the planet because <laughs> it's tiny, you know, and the caliber is, is fairly small. But for an assassin type person, that makes sense, right? It is about the minimalist. It is about the the ease of use. It's a, it's it really comes down to I I have it if I needed it ultimately, right? It's not the primary motive, right? If it was the primary motive, then he'd be carrying you know some type of assault rifle or some type of you know long gun or something like that to really engage targets. He's more about blending in and, and traversing through, and he has the backup if he needs it. So I think the watch is also kind of in that same way. He has the timepiece. It's there. He's going to use it for everything because it's just a part of the kit. You know what I mean? I don't really feel like Bond is kind of like, the oh, I'm going to wear this one for this occasion. I'm going to wear this one for this occasion. As much as I would love that to be the case, right? I think for him, it's just about wearing the thing and getting the job done. And while I'm doing the job, I still have the thing. 
I remember picking up the PPK in GoldenEye multiplayer and be like, what the hell is this crappy little gun? <laughs> right? Little pea shooter. I'm out here looking yeah. for the rocket launcher. Some guys run around. You always had to play no odd job, right? That was the rule. Yeah, you exactly. Odd job yeah, you can't get hit by the tall. hat. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, one hit KO. Or, or everybody, do you ever play, you had to play slaps only or Slappers whatever? Slappers only. Yeah. <laughs> Already just karate chopping everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah. Playing on your slappers giant. only was awesome. You had to find your bro, your bro with the biggest tube TV because that's all there yes. was then. You yes, had to find yes. who had the biggest tube TV. Everybody went in the basement, slept over, filled up on junk food and soda. Yep. And then you played different varieties of Goldeneye. Yeah. And that was. I also like to did you ever play paintbrush mode. Which is kind of an extension of slappers only, but basically, it was a cheat code where it would invert the sniper rifle, and so it was literally the butt stock. Oh, nice! And then you would hit people with the butt stock. <laughs> but they called it they called it paintbrush mode because the the actual butt stock was kind of brown and then it went black, so it looked like a like a paintbrush that had been dipped in paint and just uh-huh. on the edge. Yeah. Nerdy N64 days, but uh, Dude, we yeah, used to make up our own games. We used to have we used to play a, a game we call El Presidente, where one guy had to be like you, you were like role playing, one guy was like the political leader, and you were not allowed to shoot anybody, you just ran. And then the one kid, the other kid was your bodyguard, and the other two guys had to uh, assassinate the dude. It was like a great game, like it was ridiculous, but it was just like it was hysterical, you know, like we used to just mess around and rotate, and it was great. It was like the most fond memories, you know what I mean. Now that all seems so so distant, but those and were so like trivial, that was all that but, mattered. You know, that was but, all that mattered back then. Yeah, At yeah. Mario Party, Mario Kart, like Did you see the movie yet? My kids watched it with my mother when she was babysitting them and they loved it. I've heard it's actually like really, really good. I did too. I've heard very good things about it. I want to go see it. Tag Hoyer should make a watch about it. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Our twenty-five-year-old CEO is going to start getting big brain ideas. I mean, Mario Kart Chronograph. It happened. I mean, I'm not going to say we had something to do with that, but I'm also not going to say we didn't have something to do with that. I just find it very, very odd that we talked about it, and then six months later, it comes out. That's about the time for a, a nice R and D product production product production scale. <laughs> Six to eight months is not a bad timeline, especially for a watch that already existed. You know, it wasn't a new watch right. per se. Just some dial change, some chrono text here change. You know, it seems like a pretty easy production scale, production cycle scale. What are you gonna do? What are you, are you gonna, gonna do? do? We'll never get the credit. It's fine. It's fine. we don't need it. It's okay. But that's it, man. That's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got too. Uh, you know, just just having fun this episode again. Our our second one in the past four days, so we're really uh, <laughs> not that we're strapped for content, but just uh, you know, it, it, I'm not gonna lie. I feel like watch content just lately in general has just been utter dog dog shit. I don't know what it is. I'm just I don't know if I'm just not jazzed about it or if it's just not great. I feel like well, I, I just... see. I feel like I see an interview with the same three people every day. I just feel like the rose, the rose tinted glasses from all of the 
you know, watch press and all that stuff. It's just, it's just coming gone. And I think now we're starting to just wait for deliveries. And now we're just like, okay, we're in that vein where, well, we got at least another year before more stuff starts to come out. You know what I mean? We're kind of in that, in that awkward space. And uh, I think for most people, you know, that's, not an awesome place to be, but it's it's understandable as to why that is the case. But we'll see. We know some brands are going to probably drop some stuff here shortly, um, or you know, kind of do some mid-year releases. We'll probably get back to that point as well. So we'll see. I mean, there's got to be some more stuff coming. This can't be it. This can't be at all for 2023. Yeah, I don't know. I just, something I've I've just been thinking about. It just it feels like there was a period, and I don't know if it was just because we were all locked in our houses and we had nothing to do. It felt like, whether it be brands, outlets, whatever, like they people were trying to do like a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, and like it was fun. It was a fun interactive hobby space, and it feels like it's just gone very much back to a a, a sale based, sale driven space. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think you're absolutely right. I feel like during COVID, brands had to truly be innovative in in how they communicated how people talked about their products and all these things. And now we're just kind of back to the empty soulless, if you will, you know, hard push, hard close, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just an observation. Maybe again, it could have just been because we were locked in our houses and had nothing to do. And maybe they didn't either. So might as well engage. I don't know, but (laughs) just an observation. Engage. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm with you. I mean, we've kind of touched about, you know, touched on this before earlier this year. It's like things feel a little off, you know, and we're still seeing the continuation of that, I think. But I don't know. Hopefully some stuff drops soon to break up the monotony. Yeah, well, we're still waiting on a few people specifically, so I think we're going to get it. Let's just uh, hope it's sooner rather than later. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Omega. <clears throat> Thank you for the world timers, but let's see what else you got in the pipeline. What have you done for me lately? I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean more lately than four days ago. <laughs> Although they were pretty sick. No, they're nice. So, all right. Well, let's see if uh, anything goes on between today and next episode. Until next time, we'll catch all you on it will be episode 83 of wrist cheese radio bye-bye take care guys